Well, if you can make your way back to your seats, we're going to continue. So come on back in, find your seat. We're going to continue and have your Bible with you. You can open up to the book of Acts, which is found in the New Testament, after the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you can turn to chapter 14, and we're going to pick up the story there. So once again, we want to welcome you here this morning. My name's Joe Crummy. I'm one of the leaders here at the Meeting Place Church. So it's great to welcome you and great to have you here this morning. Just want to bring greetings from some of our other churches in Canada. And as many of you know, as we've been praying for, I was in Kevin and Maryland. We were in Owen Sound, Ontario last week. And we met up with uh, Jeremy and Ann Simpkins were there from England who helped with our church and many other churches from Owen Sound and Oakville. And Reese and Sarah were there who arrived yesterday in Vancouver. They're planting a church there, and we're able to meet some new folk uh, from Montreal and from different parts of Ontario, from Saskatchewan. So we actually had six out of ten provinces uh, represented uh, over our three days together. And then I was at King's Family Church with Chris McLean and the crew last Sunday for a couple of days. So they all bring greetings and thanks for your prayers, and we'll give more of an update tonight at our prayer meeting as well as we'll continue to pray into some of those things. All right, well, if you were here last week, uh, Gary take a, took a look at Acts chapter 13, and again in the book of Acts, we pick up the story of the early church, and so after Jesus has been here on planet earth, and as we've been singing it this morning after his death and also his resurrection, he ascended back into heaven, and he sent the Holy Spirit to fill his followers, and then we pick up the story of Acts is how these early followers of Jesus went uh, where things started in Jerusalem to surrounding areas, sharing the good news about Jesus and seeing lives changed as people put their faith and their trust in Jesus. And we see this continuing to spread. And as Gary sort of introduced last week, this is our first uh, look at a guy named Paul who was profoundly impacted by Jesus and had an incredible ex- uh, life-changing experience of understanding who Jesus is. And another guy named Barnabas who they started and they began to travel understanding that they were going to people groups and places that had never heard of Jesus. And so we saw last week how they went and uh, shared about Jesus. They, might, they shared it primarily uh, to the Jewish people where they went and to those who were uh, Gentile, who weren't Jewish, but were God-fearing. And what we're going to do, we're going to pick up the story again today in Acts chapter 14. And today we're going to take a look at, it's a very interesting one, uh, about Paul and Barnabas going someplace that uh, we're going to read in a second that wasn't Jewish and how uh, they having a Jewish background, going to a different place. How did all that work together? So that's what we're going to take a look at. So we'll dive right in to today's scripture. You can read it up here. We'll follow along. So this is picking up, talking about Paul and Barnabas on their trip. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue. So they've gone to a new place and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed, referring to Jesus. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, some with the apostles. And when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia and to the surrounding country. And, they, and there they continued to preach the gospel. So interesting, they're now on the run. Now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. 
he listened to Paul speaking, and Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying, Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifices with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. Woo! Fascinating story, isn't it? We have so much going on. We've got Paul and Barnabas going, and we see in one place, they go to the synagogue to already establish Jewish place. They're able to teach about Jesus, and as uh, Gary referred to last week, that long scripture going through Jewish history, and people believed. Then they go to a different place, and, and they get mad for doing that. So they're sort of with the religious people, and they get people upset with them. Then they go someplace else that aren't even, in a sense, religious, and Paul almost dies. I mean, it's incredible what's going on. So we're going to take a look at this morning just a few things, and it's just trying to understand how we can learn from the early church this. It's how do we, in our culture, in our day, and in our time, how do we connect the gospel of Jesus Christ, just what we've, been, we've heard already this morning in our worship, the scriptures that have been read, the songs, the words that we've been singing. How do we connect that in our day and in our time to our culture, to our family, to our friends, at school, at university, our co-workers? That's the big question. And unfortunately, a lot of the times, the church, big C church in general, has not done a very good job of that. And so we're going to try to learn this morning some things that we can learn individually as Christians. And for those who are here maybe this morning, you're maybe seeking to learn more about Christianity. You can learn here this morning as well that we can make connections to our culture to show the relevance of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is relevant. We're not trying to make it relevant. It is relevant, but sometimes people don't understand how it can be relevant to their lives. These are some of the things we're going to take at take a look at this morning and the first one so gospel is just good news the good news of jesus christ what are some starting points okay and we're going to take a look at first of all and as don's already brought to us the gospel itself the good news of jesus never changes so that's the starting point so don read out even in the early church that first book to colossians that's paul writing to the church in Colossae, just a few years earlier, he had been there, the church was established, they taught about Jesus, people had given their lives to follow Jesus, and it was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And already, 
after a few years, they're drifting away. And sometimes the gospel message can get changed. And so we have to have our starting point is this. The gospel message never changes. It's always about Jesus. We start with Jesus. In the middle is Jesus. We end with Jesus. The postscript is Jesus. That's where we're starting from. And what happens is sometimes in the world, in, in church life, things come up that we find, as Paul encountered, that aren't popular, that we get persecuted for, and sometimes it's very tempting to then change the message. So let me give you some examples. Okay? It's very tempting in our postmodern world where we can say something like this. It's very popular. All roads lead to heaven. And so we as Christians sometimes can take on that mentality. Well, it's not very polite just to say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So we change to say, well, ours is one way you can get to heaven. That's an example. And folks, starting out, what we're going to talk about this morning is the gospel at core message never changes. And we can see Paul in example. He didn't change his message, and it almost killed him, the message that he had. Fundamental things. The gospel never changes. But here's the thing. This is what we're going to try to walk through this morning, okay? And hope it's not too confusing, because sometimes we can get kind of mixed up. But how we share the gospel can change. And I'm going to give you some illustrations here this morning to help equip us. And again, for those who are maybe seeking Jesus, maybe hopefully it'll make a connection to you this morning, how Jesus can affect your life and how it's this gospel, this good news of Jesus is relevant to your life as well. And Mark Driscoll leads a church uh, out in Seattle called Mars Hill, and he gives a great illustration of what we're talking about here this morning. And he talks about how the Bible has biblical principles, biblical truths that are non-negotiable that we can't change. So he uses this example, and he, he talks about having two open hands. And the non-negotiable things about the Christian faith are in the closed fist. Okay? They're not open for debate. So he talks about how we believe in Jesus' virgin birth. He physically was here on planet Earth, son of God, son of man. He physically died on the cross. He was physically buried. How his physical body was resurrected, how he revealed himself to his followers afterwards. He physically ascended into heaven. He sent his Holy Spirit. We believe today in the church. We believe in baptism. All these things that we see being disciples and followers of Jesus Christ, they're non-negotiable. Close, fisted. That's The gospel doesn't change. But he also talks about how in the Bible there's lots of methods. So there's biblical truth principles, but then there's methods that go along with the principle. So there's principles, truth, and then there's like the methodology. And Mark uses a great illustration. He says, that's in the open hand. Okay, so let me give you some examples. We're doing it here this morning, okay? The way you dress to go to church is very open-handed. Hallelujah for that. So you can wear a suit here if you want. You can wear shorts and a t-shirt, okay? Because the Bible doesn't say anywhere Thou shalt wear a suit to church on Sunday. Now, the principle is we're honoring God with our worship. That's the principle. That's truth. How we do that is open-handed. So it could be with hymns in an organ, or it could be with a band 
and some newer contemporary songs. Okay? Worshiping God, close-fisted. We worship God. We sing our praise to God. Kelly read out that scripture first thing. My soul praises God. That's non-negotiable. But how we do it is very flexible and open-handed. Okay, and these are the things we're talking about today. Some things don't change. They're closed-fisted, not open for discussion. And Mark uses illustration that okay, fundamentalists are closed-fisted in both hands. So everything is closed-fisted both in what they believe, but also in practice and in methodology. So it's very closed-fisted. So that's why church split over color of carpet, organs or guitars, those sorts of things. Because it's very, it should be open, but it's closed. Liberalism is when everything is open-handed. So not only is it the methodology open-handed, but the belief system is open-handed. Okay, it's just a smorgasbord. You can pick and choose what you want. We don't want to offend anyone, so we'll just kind of change everything and everything's open-handed. Okay? And the church has been guilty of being fundamentalist, okay? very closed, conservative in a negative way because it's put a lot of emphasis on a closed-fisted methodology, how we live out these things. But we've also, the church has also been very liberal, very open-handed about all kinds of things that are really non-negotiable items. So that's the world we live in today. And church life can be very conservative in a fundamental sort of way where we fight over the wrong things. Or it can be very open and liberal where we just, anything goes. And we can learn from Jesus, first of all, but also as followers, we can see Paul. Some things were non-negotiable. Paul, the message of Jesus, I'll die for it. I'm not going to change it. He could have changed it. He could have got along with the Jews, with the Gentiles. He could have preached one thing to them, another thing to them, kept everybody happy. We're all together. He didn't. Non-negotiable. However, as we're going to see today, he was very flexible and willing to change on how he shared and lived out the non-negotiables. Okay, so let's just quickly take a look. That's what we're going to take a look at. How does it apply today? Okay, we saw last week with Gary, Paul, if you remember chapter 13, that long scripture, he was with Jewish people, so they knew the Old Testament, so he was able to quote the Old Testament. I think it was six times last week in that passage, Paul referred back to the Old Testament. So he referred back to Abraham and Moses and David. Okay? His people knew what he was talking about. They had that understanding. He was able to come back and say, our forefathers did this and this is what happened. And our God. Okay? That's like, for us today, that's like sharing with people who come from a church culture or a Christian background. Therefore, we can use church in Christian terms to communicate. So as a pastor, this happens to me a lot. People come and they might have been Catholic growing up or maybe Anglican, but they don't really understand Jesus. They don't really understand Christianity, but they, but they know some of the, you know, you can talk, they've heard of the Bible, okay? We've talked about Bible. You can talk about Christmas and Easter. Those are good starting points. Most people with this type of background understand, <laughs> at least you can talk about, that Christmas is Jesus coming to earth. Easter is about Jesus dying on the cross. And you can go from there and say, well, why do you think this is that? And why do you think they're launching points, they're starting points to have a conversation. And you can make connections. So Catholics understand priests. You can say, well, Jesus actually is our great high priest. You can make connection. You can make starting 
points. That's the church culture background. However, more and more, our society is this. And our friends, those around us, even our families, are non, whatever term you want to use, I couldn't quite come up with the best term, non-Christian, unchurched, and post, we live in a post-Christian society. More and more, that's the world we live in. And guess what? People have never heard of the Bible. They might have heard of it, they don't know anything about the Bible. So if you start to talk about Abraham and Moses and David, right over top. Not a clue. And that's understandable. It's never, they, don't, they, didn't grow, they didn't read Bible stories. They didn't go to Sunday school growing up. Okay? Don't understand. So you start using some sometimes religious terms or Christian terms that maybe we're familiar with, but people aren't. Then, once again, way over people's heads. So folks, we need to learn okay, that we need to find maybe some new starting points for those who come from uh, not a Christian background or upbringing or anything. So we have lots of people moving from all parts of the world, didn't grow up in a Christian society, or even a nominal Christian society. Okay, A lot of people, now we're, grandparents went to church, but our parents didn't go to church, and we're third or fourth generation down, where we heard, well, I think my grandfather was a Baptist, or I think my grandfather was something, but it's been lost. And folks, this is the where we are today. We need to listen and find new ways to engage with people, to share what we know is the best news that's happened to us, how Jesus has transformed our lives. But our starting points might be different from what they used to be because we live in a post-Christian society. So before, there was a common, and Gary talked about it back in August, I think August 21st, and he talked about you know, for a thousand years, there was sort of Christendom in North, you know, Western world, which carried over into North America. So Canada was founded on Christian principles, so those sorts of things. Okay, that's gone. That common language now has gone. Okay, so that's just trying to set the stage and to educate ourselves on the world that we live in. And that was the world Paul lived in. And this is what we're going to take a look at his example. The gospel building bridges. Unfortunately, the church, a lot of times, comes sort of from this mentality, one size fits all. And sometimes Christianity can get boiled down to a formula. And again, in a sense, we, you know, as church leaders representing the church, you know, we have to apologize for that. Sometimes we think it's just this formula, E equals MC squared, and we think Jesus, cross, okay, new life. And if we just present the formula, then we're doing our and folks that's missing the point it's not one size fits all in a sense the gospel stays the same so stay with me we'll get to that but how we present and how we share the gospel has to be open for different ways with different people and the onus is on us okay to be listened to be compassionate serving all of those things in order for us to be able to share in a relevant way this good news. So Paul's example was this. Paul went to Iconium. There was a synagogue there. And he went, and they were, in a sense, we would say maybe religious people. And he went and he was able to share one way. As we saw last week, he was able to share from the Old Testament. He referred to the Bible. He referred to their heritage. And that was one way. And he got to Jesus, okay? 
So he just didn't share there and then stop. He got to. Now, Jesus was promised in the Old Testament. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He's the one you're looking forward to. He's the Lamb of God. He can make all these connections. And some people believed him, and some people hated him for it. But he got to, eventually, Jesus. We also see he goes to Lystra, this different place. Guess what? They're not Jewish. They have no religious background whatsoever. Actually, in Lystra, they were this. Most of them were illiterate. Okay? They couldn't read. So even if they had what we would call the Old Testament, they couldn't read. Most of them were farmers. Okay? So we would say blue-collar people. And Paul comes, and what we see recorded is he doesn't reference the Old Testament once. He was very flexible. Farmers, they're out in the countryside, and Paul's able. He needs to get to talk to Jesus, but his starting point isn't Old Testament, Abraham, Moses, David. They've never even heard of Abraham, Moses, David. So what does Paul do? He understands farmers, okay, gods that they were, they wanted to please the gods so that they would get a good harvest. That got their attention. So Paul starts out with God, the living God, is actually the creator of all these things. The sun, the moon, the rain. And he's the one who gives you, because he's good, joy in your hearts, seasons. He gives you a crop, all those things. He made the connection immediately to the culture they were living in. Okay, do you see that? that the difference? He didn't go about the same way with the Lystra crew as he did with the Iconium crew. Okay, that's really important for us to understand. That's Paul's example. Jesus is our greatest example. He came from one culture, heaven, angels being worshipped with his Father, Spirit, three in one. And he went to a different culture. He came to planet Earth, born in a stable. He grew up as a carpenter's son, spoke the language of the day, learned trade. He learned what it was to be obedient. He is our greatest example of cross-cultural, from heaven to Earth. He walked in our shoes. He walked in the day. And Jesus was this. He never sinned. The Bible is very clear. He never sinned. So he never did anything against God's commandment. Also, he didn't sin by not doing something God wanted him to do. So it says that he was obedient. He said, I only do what I see my father doing. But guess what? He was called this. He was called a friend of sinners. And the religious people of his day called him this. You're a glutton and a drunkard. So somehow Jesus... This one always gets me because I still don't quite understand what that looks like in our day and in our time, to be honest with you. It's that he didn't sin, but yet he was in the culture. And Jesus prayed for his disciples in John 17. I'm sending you out, and I'm praying that you won't be part of this world in the sense of your values, your belief system, what you're doing, but you're going to be in the world. So it's very tempting as Christians, to just do the commune thing. We'll all move out in the countryside. We'll do our holy huddle, and we'll live, and we won't be tainted by the world. But that's not what Jesus calls us to do. He calls us to be in culture with a message of the gospel with good news. However, we're aware of the culture we live in so that we can have good starting points and build bridges so that we can show the relevance of what we believe. That's Paul's example. He understood the culture around him, Harvest gods, crops, where people are at, that's where he started from. 
And then he moves on. And if you read, we're going to learn more in Acts 17, 18, 20, 24. He always gets to Jesus. He just didn't, okay, he kind of he got interrupted here, okay, because they're going to sacrifice because there's a healing we'll get to in a minute. But he always gets to Jesus. So, folks, this is the great tension, isn't it? Finding a starting point, connecting with people, but eventually we bring the truth of the gospel in. That there is a God who's holy. That we do talk about sin. We do talk about repentance. We do talk about giving up lesser things to follow Jesus. We get to all those things. But how we get there is really important. So we look at our culture. What are the things that stand out in our culture? So I'm talking about here in Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada, North America, Western world. What are the things in our culture that we can see, if you have eyes to see, that are starting points, that are connections for us as Christians to be able to share our lives and our faith that we believe as we're singing this morning, Jesus, that you're everything, that you've saved us, that now we're living for you, you're a hope, you're a rock, this is who we put our trust in. I've just listed, I think, a few things here that seem to come up somewhere along the way that in our world, being authentic seems to be a big deal right now. And what a great way as Christians to be authentic. And we're trying to be authentic as church. So in our small groups and that, we're trying to be authentic and say, you know what? I'm following Jesus. So John's picture this morning Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I'm on the highway, but the truth is there's a lot of things that are trying to distract me and derail me, and I need help. That's being honest. So, formerly, religion is this. I hold everything together, and I put on a mask that everything looks good, that I have it all together, and we live fake lives. Christianity is, I'm real. You know what? I can't do it on my own which in our world of uh, up here on all these things of significance and that, that's not a very popular thing to do. And I think we've seen that in our society, in my sporting world, with these guys committing suicide, right? Popular, they're rich, they're young, they're famous. And you think, why in the world? That gets our attention to say, you know what? We've got good news. How can we connect with people? People are looking for love, okay? People are just like, man, if I can just fall in love, I can just get the right, the right person. If I can just get the soulmate. You look at our commercials on TV. What's the biggest ones all the time? It's all the dating ones, isn't it? All the websites connecting. If I can find true love, then I'll be happy. And somehow we have to make a connection with people and say, actually, okay, the greatest love is that God loves you. And if you understand and experience that, Okay? then you'll find freedom and community and significance, all those things in a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. But do you see where the starting point is? That's what we as Christians have to get better at. We're looking, people are looking for community. Okay? You can go through, I think, since the invention of TV, you can go through in every decade, I think there's a show that captures what people want to be a part of. You can go through 50s, leave it to Beaver. I actually know, leave it to Beaver. Okay, none of you guys know. Okay, we'll move right along, okay? Happy days? A few people know? 
What's the big one from the 80s? Cheers. Anyone sing the song? And they're always glad you came. You want to be where... Troubles are all the same. You want to be where everyone knows your name. So, all those born in the 80s, bear with us, okay? What was the one from the 90s? Oh, Seinfeld and Friends. I think you could have a tie for that one. 2000 to 2010? It changed, didn't it? Reality TV. Again, if you have eyes to see, if you have eyes to see what's going on in our world, this is the culture. Okay? We are to send you somewhere else. We would say you've got to know the culture. Okay? So John Linden's brother David and his wife Anna have moved to Turkey. They're understanding the culture of where they're moving to. The problem is if we live here, we're we don't understand the culture we live in because it's so used, we're so used to it. We don't have eyes to see. Folks, what I'm trying to do this morning is I'm trying to get you to have eyes to see the culture that we live in, what people really are, sort of the buzzwords that people are looking for. Freedom's a big one. But we have to connect people. Actually, you can only ever be free in Jesus Christ who frees us from our sin, that frees us from being slaves to addictions and different things, trying to strive, trying to feel good enough about myself, all those things. We have to make connections that Jesus is the answer. The gospel is relevant. It's the same message. We don't change, but we have to connect it to people's lives. And folks, to be honest, I'm not very good at this. It's a humbling thing because a lot of what I speak on and teach on, I've got all kinds of examples I can use. This one, I don't have many examples my own embarrassment. Part of it is when you work in a church context, okay, it's, it's apples and oranges because I'm not rubbing shoulders in a sense with as many people as you are. But here's the contact points for all these things. One of my biggest things right now in trying to understand culture and connecting Christianity into culture is with my kids. trying to understand their TV shows, trying to understand what's going on at school so I can show the relevance of Jesus even at a young age in their lives. Now, how you connect SpongeBob and Jesus takes a lot (laughs) of wisdom and faith. But I think I've given you the illustration before. I just use it as an illustration because sometimes, again, and, okay, if you're single and all that, I'll get, don't worry, okay, we'll get some other examples. This is just me sharing. This is my world right now. So you've got to take it for what your world is. But my kids, we're trying, Angela and I, we're trying to okay, we've got things in place. We're reading the Bible. We're praying together. We're trying to study. We're trying to connect kids' church and what we're learning there into our lives. So that's all excellent. That is great. But it's also this. It's also even outside of those more structured times, trying to listen and trying to understand and trying to bring how Jesus affects their lives. So it's understanding what's going on in school when kids are mean to each other. It's trying to, with bullying everything, bring our Christian worldview and our belief system into what's going on in their school. 
Why do you think kids are get picked on? How do you think you can make a difference? How do you think Jesus, when he was with us, made a difference? I told you the one wasn't planned, but boy, it never worked out. Okay, we're playing, we play hockey all the time, and it is rough, let me tell you. I've got bumps and bruises. That's just with my eight, six, and four-year-old. Okay, it's like WrestleMania all the time. Okay. But I've told you before how opportunities present themselves. They all do something wrong. Mike and Noah, Jared. Okay, there's a penalty for what you've done wrong. There's the penalty box. There's the chair. You have to sit off because there's been a penalty. And Micah, one day, Jared got the penalty, and Micah said, Jared, you stay on. I'll take your place. I'll go in your spot for the penalty. Boom. Guess what? Okay, guys, time out. What just happened here? Jared deserves the penalty. But Micah, who was innocent, took his place and paid the penalty, paid the price so that Jarrett could go free. Now, guys, here we are, hockey, sweat, pouring, fights, everything. In a moment, that moment, who does that remind us of? And Micah got Jesus. Jesus. Even though we have the penalty, Jesus, who was innocent, took our place so that we could be free. You see, it's the awareness of being able to be open to just everyday life, of bringing Jesus into everyday life. So whatever your situation is, that's the thing. You cannot, you know, sometimes we as Christians think, well, if we just get in the kids' church, we just get in the Sunday morning, those are all good things. Don't get me wrong. But folks, it has to be you and I in our everyday life Life, bringing Christianity into all of who we are and what we do. That's what's really going to make a difference. That's where we get to be a part. So with our co-workers at school, neighbors, okay, this, is, this is your life. It's not just a couple hours on Sunday morning. If I can just get in the church on Sunday morning, great, we want you here on Sunday morning. We believe you'll meet God. We believe you'll be blessed. Okay? But if that's your only splinter sort of narrow thing, then you're going to miss opportunity after opportunity after opportunity in your everyday life to be able to make connections with people, to offer to pray for people, to share with people, to listen to people. And we found right here, change and pain are opportunities to be authentic, real, community, love, service, all of those things. So when change and pain happen to us, we can be real and we can tell us, you know, I'm struggling right now. However, I'm finding my hope in God. I've got a church family that's loving and supportive me. That's sharing the gospel. It's also when people are going through change and pain themselves to say, can I pray for you? You know what? Here's a book. I think it would be good. This helped me. Maybe this will help you. Okay? It's all those things of being aware that it's not just Joe and Gary's job or Kevin's or Don Smith's. We can just get into them. Then I've done my part. No, it's you in your life. Every single one of us being able to share. And then we get to do things together as well. That's living out a Christian life. And we're trying to do that for Angela and I in our neighborhood with our neighbors, just people that we're involved with at school, all those things. Wherever you are, okay? If you're single here this morning, 
it may be you reaching out to others around you who are struggling being single. And you can share, you know what, it is really hard, but here are some things that have helped me. And you can make the connection how Jesus helps you to live a single life that's pure, that's following him, that glorifies God. So wherever you're at, it doesn't matter. You're all qualified wherever you're at. Married, single, young, old, male, female. Whatever example for your life, I can't hit them all. That is what you're able to do. It's understanding our culture. It's having contact points. And eventually, yes, we get to sharing about Jesus. And then people can say yes, or people can say no. My fear is, my realization is this. Many people in our culture, in our day, are not rejecting Jesus. Okay? They're not rejecting the truth because they haven't heard the truth. They're rejecting religion. And we need to show them that Jesus rejected religion. Who did Jesus get upset with the most? It was the Pharisees. It was the religious people who missed God for rules and regulations and an outward side thing that missed the heart. And folks, we want, in our individual lives, we want a church where, yeah, people might reject the gospel, when they, but let them hear it first to know what they're really rejecting. That's what we need to be about as the people of God. And then our time's going just quickly. Okay. There's also a part, and I'll just briefly mention this, but it's key. You know what? We have a supernatural gospel. Okay. So we're not just selling something. Okay. Please hear me. We're not, we're not salespeople. Right? Unfortunately, Christianity has sometimes gone that mentality. Okay? We apologize for that. That's not what we're talking about. It's a supernatural gospel. Gospel that's motivated by the love of God. But it's this. It's real. Christianity is real. Jesus is real. Remember in university, I came to this crisis of faith where either Jesus Christ and Christianity was real, and if it's real, it changes everything, or it's not. So eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow I die. That's where... That was the crisis of faith. Either Jesus is real, he is who he says he is, and his, if that's true, my life has to change, and the church has to look different from what I was experiencing. Or, it's not. So I might as well eat good food, drink, try to be happy, because I'm going to eventually die. Those were my two alternatives. It's a supernatural gospel. And folks, unfortunately, again, in our Western world, we don't see many healings. Okay? It's incredible reading this passage. It's really convicting, isn't it? Okay? Because in the first place they went to Iconium, they preached the gospel, people leave. God gives them grace, the message of grace, for signs and wonders to confirm the gospel. And then Paul goes on the next thing. He's preaching this guy. I don't know how Paul did it. He saw he had faith. Rise up and walk. Then you've got a miracle. Then you have an opportunity to speak. Man, we long for that, don't we? Because signs and wonders can be starting points to the gospel. That's why we want to continue to pray for the sick. That's why we gather on Sunday nights and we cry out to God. God, we don't see this in our day and in our time very much. But God, we believe you. We believe that people are going to be healed. That's going to open them up to hear about Jesus. We also believe this. People are going to be healed after they hear the message. And it's going to confirm that the gospel is real. That Jesus is alive today. And that's why we've got to keep seeking God. God, we believe you. We don't see it. But we're going to pray 99 times. And if the 100th person gets healed, it was worth the 99 that we prayed for to get to 100. And then this great mystery of God's sovereignty and our faith and how all that works together. I don't fully understand it, but I do know this. We can ask. 
So we're going to keep asking. We're going to keep believing. We're going to keep praying for people. And we believe it's going to be an open door to then share, this is the God who healed you. His name is Jesus. And it's also, as people put their faith in and they get healed, it's going to seal the deal that this is real. And that's what we're asking for, God, in our day and in our time. So for today, just in conclusion, we have to have in our hearts that there's, Jesus is good news for everyone. For the most successful person who has it all figured out and seems to be enjoying life, and you think, never in the world would they ever need Jesus. Don't believe it. And for the person who's strung out and addicted to this and down and out, and you think, man, there's no way anyone could ever help them. And for us, in our sort of boring, routine, everyday lives of just trying to survive, there's good news for everyone. There's good news for everyone. There is a God who loves us. He has made a way on the highway. And yes, there's many advertisements and many things that would distract us to seek us off that would get us in the other lane. Jesus has made a way through his son, Jesus Christ. And he's come and says, if you're thirsty, come to me. I am the resurrection and the life. Okay? I've come to give you life, to give it abundant. I've come to reconcile you to your Father in heaven. There's good news for everyone. And we need God's help to live it out so we don't disqualify the message. But also God's help to make connections, to make contact points in our day, in our time, in our culture. God, help me. I know I have this good news. Help me to see how I can communicate it and live it out well. And folks, it's hard. I, like I said, I wish I had more examples to give you. Okay, my football guys play in the summer. I'm just sometimes just like, how in the world am I ever going to get to talk about Jesus? What are the connections with these guys who live in a whole different world than me? But God's put a hunger in us. For Angela and I, in our neighborhood, in our school, we're just like, God, how do we, we have this good news. Help us to live it out and help us to communicate. Help us to find and to listen, to be sensitive to your spirit, to understand people from different cultures, different religions. How can we, with compassion but with boldness, share this good news that we believe we have? That's the cry of our heart. That's what we want as a church. We've got a message that's non-negotiable. It's truth. We can't change it. We can't just be politically correct. We're going to offend some people. Some people are going to hate us. Jesus said that would happen because it's a non-negotiable message. However, how we share it, how we live out our lives, there's a lot of flexibility. There's a lot of many starting points. There's a lot of things that, you know what, let's not fight over those things. They're secondary things. This we're going to hold on to. This we can talk about. God, help us in our individual lives, for us as a church, to be a people like Paul, like Barnabas, different contexts, different situations. We've got starting points for us to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay, let me pray, and then we'll transition in our closing. All right? Yeah, Father in heaven, we want to thank you this morning. Thank you that you are real, that you're alive. Thank you that you've revealed yourself to us in your creation. God, in your common grace to us all, in water and rain and air and mountains and seas. But God, you've revealed yourself to us in your word. Most of all, you've revealed yourself to us in your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you that there's good news here this morning. God, that we don't have to be alone. We don't have to be slaves to other things. That we can be free as we follow Jesus Christ.
our substitute who paid the price for our sin, that we could be credited to be right standing with our Father in heaven. We get to call him Abba, Father. He's our hope, our rock, our peace, our joy. And now we get to live a new life as a new creation that pleases you and that you empower us by your Holy Spirit to say no to ungodly things and yes to you. God, would you help us share this good news? God, in word, in life, supernaturally, for the glory of Jesus Christ, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name we ask. Amen. Amen. Whew. All right. Gary, we'll tag. Now let's stand. We're going to get... We're coming to the end of our...